Welcome to episode 245 of the TruthQuest podcast, the truth about Robert F. Kennedy Jr. I want to start this episode with a clip from the last one, episode 244, the truth about April 2023. Robert F. Kennedy Jr. announced that he is running for president against Joe Biden. I have to admit, I am fascinated by Kennedy as a person. I knew of him over the years, but my ignorant perception was, well, let's just say ignorant. I thought he was just another wacko New England liberal. My recollection was that he was an environmentalist, but I was an idiot. I was reintroduced to him and his organization, Children's Health Defense, during the COVID fiasco because they were one of the few organizations providing an alternative view to the virus, the lockdowns, the mislabeled COVID vaccine, and mask mandates. Kennedy has been a staunch and aggressive advocate for vaccine safety, all vaccines, for years. He can only be described as a warrior. Then the dude wrote a killer book that I used to create episode 179, The Truth About Anthony Fauci, The Corrupt One-Trick Pony. The book's title? The Real Anthony Fauci. It's a must-read, folks. Needless to say, before he announced his run for the presidency, I became a fan of this guy and his organization. I even started donating to CHD. Kennedy is smart. He's ballsy. He's insightful, and most importantly, he's a truth teller. And this is a Truth Quest podcast. How can I not love this guy? Basically, the dude hates corruption. If you listen to him speak, he will tell you straight up he's running for president in order to, quote, end the corrupt merger between state and corporate power that has ruined our economy, shattered the middle class, polluted our landscapes and waters, poisoned our children, and robbed us of our values and freedom. And just like Tucker Carlson, his character is going to be assassinated and dragged through the mud over the next 18 months. He will largely be ignored by the alphabet soup conspiracy media, and when he is covered, they will not allow his claims against Big Pharma, the so-called vaccine, his opposition to the war in Ukraine, to be aired because they say he is propagating mis, dis, and malinformation. How convenient must it be just to call every argument made against your positions disinformation? It isn't really convenient. It's just intellectually dishonest and intellectually lazy. He will be called an anti-vaccine extremist, dangerous, anti-science. The viewers of ABC, MSNBC, CBS, and NBC, and the listeners of NPR will not be allowed to hear an alternative view of the universe. They must be protected from MAGA extremists. And now they must be protected from crazy lifelong Democrats like Robert F. Kennedy Jr., In this episode, I want to spend time getting to know RFK Jr., the man and his policy prescriptions. Let's start with a brief look into his background. Unfortunately, RFK Jr. and anyone with the last name Kennedy, for that matter, are most well-known for the assassinations of two of their family members. In RFK Jr.'s case, it was his father and uncle. Of course, President John F. Kennedy, his uncle, was assassinated in Texas in 1963. Five years later, his father, then-Senator Robert Kennedy, a Democrat from New York, who served as JFK's Attorney General, was assassinated while running for president. RFK Jr. did not go into politics like his uncle and his father. Instead, he spent 35 years as an environmental advocate and attorney. He fought against corporate giants like General Electric in his quest to help people who were harmed by pollution. As you might imagine, he is passionate about the environment. He argues that We should be good stewards of the environment because it was bequeathed to us by God, and we have a responsibility to the next generation. Nothing is more precious than God's creation. He says we diminish our ability to sense the divine when we hurt the environment. 
As he speaks on the subject, he demonstrates true angst about species going extinct. In his presidential announcement speech, he mentioned butterflies of his youth that his children and grandchildren will never get to witness. He goes so far as to say, it's a crime against our children that they cannot see the things in nature that I saw. He describes God's creation as a tapestry that we are pulling threads from. Now that is a pro-environment argument that the normals can get behind. Personally, I need to hear some more specifics from RFK on this, specifically if he supports the illegal and unconstitutional shove-it-down-their-throats approach to the environment and climate change and the Green New Deal currently deployed by his party, the Doomsday Cult, formerly known as the Democratic Party, as they now want to ban common household appliances and gas-powered vehicles and lawnmowers while purposely diverting and killing efficient and abundant sources of energy via fossil fuels in favor of ineffective and intermittent sources like wind and solar. From his campaign website under the Environment platform, it states, We will protect wild lands from future development by curbing mining, logging, oil drilling, in suburban sprawl. That to me has the potential of being problematic, but I'm going to take a wait-and-see approach for now and see what he actually means by that. As I mentioned in the opening, Kennedy founded the Children's Health Defense, a health nonprofit dedicated to solving chronic health conditions caused by environmental exposures. And I mentioned he has been vocal about the harms associated with COVID-19 vaccine and other vaccines. His most consistent claim is to tell people the truth. His father was his inspiration. He tells the story of his father when running for president, knowing he had little chance of unseating an incumbent in his party, Lyndon Johnson, with everyone that mattered against him. Even people who helped his brother win the presidency did not support him. But he went on to give countless speeches to audiences who were not receptive to his message, like college kids, asking about deferments in order to avoid Vietnam War. RFK told them the truth. He did not support it because he explained that 80% of the paratroopers are poor blacks who can't hide in college. Kennedy said his father changed people's minds about the Vietnam War just by telling the truth. By the way, on the day he was assassinated, Kennedy won both California and South Dakota's primaries. Can you think of two more divergent states even back then? And he won them both. Speaking of the truth, in a recent interview with Megyn Kelly, RFK Jr. talked about people who read his book, The Real Anthony Fauci, and argued with him about some of his claims. He said something like, I put it right there in the book. I told readers, if you see anything in there that's not true or can be disputed with facts, please let me know. I am open to correction because I'm only interested in the truth. That comment alone might explain my interest in RFK Jr., given that this is the TruthQuest podcast. If you have to silence people, i.e. censor them, because you cannot win the debate on the merits, you are a clown. RFK Jr. is no clown, nor is the TruthQuest podcast. The Book of Proverbs speaks a lot about being open to instruction and criticism. That is what a lowercase TruthQuest is all about. Along those same lines, one of RFK Jr.'s campaign platforms is Reconciliation, where he spends time talking about ending the division in America. The verbiage he uses is essentially, we are all made in the image of God and worthy of respect, regardless of our skin color, religious views, or political affiliations. He observes, America is enduring an apocalyptic tribal polarization, more toxic and dangerous than any time since the Civil War. Here's another excerpt from the campaign website. 
RFK Jr. has clear positions on most of today's divisive trigger issues like abortion, guns, and immigration, but he knows that both sides have legitimate concerns and legitimate moral positions. No one is deplorable. That last sentence is a direct shot across the bow of Hillary and her gang of hate-filled assholes. RFK Jr. is sending a message that he's not interested in affiliating with the doomsday cult formerly known as the Democratic Party. He will be his own man with his own thoughts, his own platform, who just so happens to affiliate with the Democratic Party. But he is not a Kool-Aid drinker who does what the party says. As I mentioned, the main plank on his agenda is anti-corruption, as he calls it the merger of state and corporate power. Some would call it fascism. The majority of people would simply call it bad. He calls our country a corporate plutocracy, which is just a fancy word for a government by the wealthy, a a wealthy class that controls the government or a government or state in which the wealthy rule. I had to look that up in the dictionary. He goes on to say that this corrupt merger between state and corporate powers turned the country into a kleptocracy. Another word I had to look up. It means a government characterized by rampant greed and corruption. To which I say, amen, bro, you're hitting it right on the head. That's exactly what the United States of America has become. And if he or any other politician wants to change that, I will throw my support behind them. RFK Jr. claims to be pro-capitalism. That position alone makes him unacceptable in the eyes of the doomsday cult, formerly known as the Democratic Party, for which he seeks the presidential nomination. He claims he is opposed to crony capitalism. Part of the evidence he points to is the phenomenon of agency capture in which, quote, regulatory agencies become captured by the industries that they're supposed to regulate. He explains that it is especially prevalent in the pharmaceutical industry, providing the example that the unconstitutional FDA received 75% of its drug approval budget and 45% of its total budget from the pharmaceutical industry. He also points out that, quote, not only NIH, National Institutes of Health, as an agency, but individual scientists within NIH are allowed to patent drugs that they work on and then turn over to the pharmaceutical industry and collect royalties on them. Over the past decade, those scientists have collected some $300 million in royalties. He makes the obvious point that it is a perversive incentive for a regulatory agency to do that because it really makes them an arm of the industry rather than a functioning regulatory agency that protects public health. From the campaign website, Wall Street controls the SEC. Polluters and extractive industries dominate the EPA. Big Pharma controls the CDC, NIH, and FDA. Big Agriculture controls the USDA. Big Tech has captured the FTC. No wonder trusting government is at all-time lows. It's time to earn it back. The point he's making is the fox, Wall Street, Big Tech, Big Pharma, Big Ag, is guarding the hen house and getting stinking rich in the process while spreading their riches around most of the 535 members of Congress who then refuse to do the right thing and end this vicious cycle. Along those same lines, RFK Jr. argues that we need a president that can stand up to the bureaucracy like his uncle did during the Cuban Missile Crisis. I love that sentiment. It's really no different than Trump's drain the swamp mantra, but it, I need specifics on how he plans to fight the bureaucracy. Is he willing to do what it takes to make a difference? Is he willing to gut the executive branch, which is fully within his control as president? Is he willing to fire thousands of federal employees who work for unconstitutional federal agencies? I pose the same question to Trump. If not, nothing will change. 
When it comes to, in my mind, the most important topic any presidential candidate can bring to the table, the enforcement of and adherence to the United States Constitution, RFK Jr. says, quote, the Constitution was built for hard times. When talking about the COVID fiasco, he points out that there is no mention of pandemics in the Constitution, even though the founders knew all about them, i.e. smallpox and malaria, which both happened during the founding generation. And yet, they did not give the federal government the power to do anything during a pandemic because the states had the sovereign power to handle basically everything except the military and foreign trade relations. Continuing the theme, Kennedy's stance on the so-called COVID vaccine is pretty clear. It's really no different than what you hear from me all the time. The fact is, it is an often toxic, sometimes deadly, experimental drug. Kennedy advocates for full disclosure of all known facts and adverse effects and fully informed consent on the part of the public, neither of which were provided to the American people or most of the world's population throughout the COVID fiasco. Again, this coincides with Kennedy's life theme of truth, just tell the truth. When it comes to the lockdowns, Kennedy is not shy to blame Trump for allowing the violation of our civil rights. In fairness, he acknowledges that Trump will argue that his experts advised him to do it, but Kennedy is not willing to let Trump off the hook, and neither am I. There was plenty of evidence at the time indicating that the best solution was to lock down the sick and protect the vulnerable while letting everyone else go back to work. Kennedy rails against all the social media platforms that conspired with the Trump administration to censor anti-lockdown sentiment and, for that matter, anti-vaccine sentiment which of course continued on steroids in the Biden administration, proving that there really is no difference between the two parties. We are controlled by a uniparty. Kennedy continues on the topic of lockdowns by explaining that they strip mine the wealth of the middle class by causing the closure of 3.3 million businesses. He points out that these were not big businesses like Amazon and Walmart. These were the mom and pop shops who happened to be the largest employer in America. Thus, the strip mine analogy, which is ugly, severe, and perverse. As someone who is a staunch advocate for the truth, you can imagine that Kennedy is a ravaged critic of censorship. At the hour and 20 minute mark of his marathon announcement speech, he is finishing his rant on the polluting of the Hudson River, calling out General Electric several times, and he segues to a new topic. He warns his audience that he's only about halfway through with his speech, explaining this is what happens when you censor someone for 18 years. For the next 18 months, they are going to hear a lot from me. I hope that is true. His railing against censorship falls under one of the planks of his campaign platform, Civil Liberties. It reads in part, Our administration will make it a top priority to protect and restore the fundamental civil liberties enshrined in the Bill of Rights that hold the essence of what America can be. These liberties have endured constant assault for over 20 years, starting with the Bush-Cheney War on Terror and accelerating in the era of COVID lockdowns. Freedom of speech is the capstone of all other rights and freedoms. Once a government has the power to silence its opponents, no other right is safe. It goes on to call for the dismantling of the censorship industrial complex, to end mass surveillance of American citizens and the abuse of civil asset forfeiture and to make sure that the COVID-era suspension of right to assemble, trial by jury, and freedom of worship will never happen again. He pledges never to weaponize the law against his political opponents, and he will end the failed war on drugs and grant amnesty to non-violent drug offenders. RFK Jr. rails against our constant state of war, 
undeclared wars, including the war in Ukraine. He asked the question, is it the war in Ukraine? Is it in the United States national interest? As far as I'm concerned, that's a good start, but it's the wrong question. The Constitution has a clear prescription for declaration of war. If it is not being followed, then we have no business getting involved. So if Congress thinks the war is in our national interest, then Congress needs to declare war, and the commander-in-chief can execute the war plan. It's pretty simple. Kennedy argues that we are pushing Russia into China's arms and unnecessarily butting heads with a country with as many nuclear weapons as us. He reminds us of the progress of the Ukraine war propaganda. First, they said our involvement was humanitarian. Then they said it was to exhaust Russia so they can't fight elsewhere. Which is it, he asks. Over $100 billion later, and what do we have to show for it? This is where Kennedy gets really worked up as he explains, Meanwhile, back at home, we have a larger percentage of Americans living paycheck to paycheck than ever before. 57% of Americans could not put their hands on $1,000 in the case of an emergency. He explains that we have a large percentage of veterans living below the poverty line and a staggering number of veterans committing suicide. And what are the priorities of our national so-called leaders? He goes on to point out that the government is printing millions to bail out banks like Silicon Valley Bank. That's in addition to the printed money flushed down the Ukrainian drain, while at the same time cutting food stamps, Medicare, and other benefits for poor American citizens. Again, he points out the priorities of our national so-called leaders. Big banks and Vladimir Zelensky are more important than the average citizen. From his campaign website, we will break up too big to fail banks and monopolies, and when crisis strikes, bail out the homeowners, debtors, and small business owners instead. Kennedy, like the rest of the normals, thinks the government's priorities should be on the citizens of the country for which the government works for. Quote, we have money for war, we have money for bankers, but what happens to the American people who fall on hard times? Shouldn't we have compassion for them? He is opposed to the U.S., a now bankrupt nation, those are my words, not his, being the policeman of the world with over 800 military bases around the world. From his campaign website, we will bring the troops home, we will stop racking up unpayable debt to fight one war after another. The military will return to its proper role of defending our country. We will end the proxy wars, bombing campaigns, covert operations, coups, paramilitaries, and everything else that has become so normal most people don't know it's happening. He argues that, quote, the economy is a source of strength, not bullets and weapons. And as long as our major exports are weapons and war, we will never have a middle class in this country. Kennedy explains in common sense terms how the printing of money results in price inflation and how price inflation is a tax on the poor. He blows our mind with this fact, quote, we have printed 10 centuries of money in the last 14 years. Kennedy also rails against the U.S. healthcare system. From his campaign website, a Kennedy administration will go beyond making existing modularities available to all to include low-cost alternative and holistic therapies that have been marginalized in a pharma-dominated system. We will move from a sick care system to a wellness society. Given his work with the Children's Health Defense Organization, obviously one of his passions is public health, specifically children. One of his favorite refrains is, we commoditize our children, poison our people with pharmaceuticals and propaganda. He explains that we have the sickest children on earth, pointing to obesity, ADHD, autoimmunity, allergies, diabetes, addiction, anxiety, and other chronic diseases that inflict two-thirds of the population 
up from just a few percentages in our grandparents' time. He explains that the U.S. as a whole has some of the highest chronic disease levels in the world. He attributes that to too many chemicals and too many prescriptions, some of which our government officials are banking royalties on, as discussed earlier. He and his organization spend a great deal of time studying autism, which inflicts one in every 34 kids in America. Did you know that that number used to be one in 10,000? He asked the question, why aren't there any people with autism and rheumatoid arthritis or food allergies who are 50, 60, and 70 years old? He says it all started in 1989, which I believe is the year a bunch of so-called vaccines were introduced to America's children. RFK Jr. calls out the CIA for the deadly so-called COVID vaccines. He also blames this unconstitutional federal agency for the murder of his uncle, which he calls a successful coup d'etat for which our democracy has never recovered. Before I give you my final thoughts, I want to play for you the audio of Kennedy's campaign launch video, just to give you a full flavor of how he wants to be recognized and perceived. What we need in the United States is not division. What we need in the United States is not hatred. What we need in the United States is not violence and lawlessness, but is love and wisdom and compassion toward one another. Every nation has a darker side, and the easiest thing for a politician to do is to appeal to our hatred and our anger and our bigotry and greed and xenophobia and all of the alchemies of demagoguery. My father and my uncle had a vision for America, a vision of racial harmony, of prosperity for all Americans, of peace in the world, and of honest government. Their lives were tragically cut short, and America took a different path. Yet the possibility they foresaw is still alive, the America that almost was and yet may be. I've been fighting corporate corruption my entire life, but I understand that today, the problem is much larger than a few crooked individuals. The problem is a system that no longer serves the people and a people who are so divided and so fearful that they are easily ruled. It's time to unlearn the reflexes of fear and blame and find ways to unify ourselves and turn our country around. I won't pretend to you that it will be easy, but I know what it will take. My father said it, love, wisdom, and compassion toward one another. And that's where we need to start. We will scale down the war machine and bring our resources home. We will rebuild our water systems, repair our roads, modernize our railroads, and clean up our environment. We will also clean up government and earn back the people's trust. We will end the secrecy, the censorship, and the surveillance. We will again be a fearless land of liberty. The cost of freedom is always high, but Americans have always paid it. We will face honestly the darker parts of our history, the genocide, the racism, not to shame or blame or punish, but to repair as best we can in a spirit of compassion and kindness toward all. I'm inviting all of you to join me to create an America that we can believe in and be proud of again. I'm Robert F. Kennedy Jr. and I'm running for President of the United States. My beef with virtually every presidential candidate and most candidates and elected national politicians or conservative talking heads for that matter is there's never any talk about the Constitution. There is rarely any talk about reverting the federal government back to its constitutionally restricted place of limited powers. 
Neither Trump nor RFK Jr. have made part of their platform the abolishment of unconstitutional federal agencies like the Department of Education, Department of Energy, HHS, CDC, Commerce, Transportation, the CIA, the EPA, the Department of Interior, Homeland Security, the Labor Department, Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac, the Bureau of Land Management, Bureau of Consumer Financial Protection, FDIC, the Peace Corps, and dozens more. I mean, Kennedy rails against agency capture at the CDC and FDA, NIH, the SEC, EPA, USDA, and the FTC, and Trump rails against the deep state and bureaucrats, but neither man argues that any agencies should be abolished. Kennedy rails against the CIA for having part in the assassination of both his uncle and his father and committing what can only be described as crimes against humanity all over the globe as they work to dispel enemies of the United States, but he never calls for the abolishment of the agency. I mean, if they killed members of your family, what the hell is it going to take to call for the abolishment of the agency? He and Trump acknowledge that there is a dual justice system in America, one for well-connected members of the doomsday cult, formerly known as the Democratic Party, and one for everyone else, but there's never any serious proposals put on the table to impeach corrupt, partisan-hacked federal judges or dismantling the unconstitutional FBI, nor is there any discussion of significantly reducing the power of the Department of Justice. But my biggest beef with apparent good guys like Kennedy and Trump is they fail to examine or identify the root cause of all the problems that plague the nation, which is the federal government has too much unconstitutional power. It's so obvious. Why do you think Wall Street, Big Tech, Big Pharma, Big Ag, etc., why do you think they gravitate to D.C.? Just like Willie Horton, that prolific bank robber from way back in the 1930s or something, he once reportedly said, when asked why he robbed banks, and he said, because that's where the money is. Well, that's why Wall Street, Big Tech, Big Pharma, and all them, that's why they go to D.C. That's where the money and the power is. If the Constitution was in force, the feds would have very little of both, very little power and very little money, leaving big everything on their own to figure out how to make a profit. Now, you may be thinking, what the hell would make you happy? My answer is, I would like for these people, i.e. Trump and Kennedy, people with huge bully pulpits to explain the Constitution to the American people and explain to them why 95% of the federal government should not even exist under the document that our founding fathers wrote on which every member of Congress, the judiciary, and I believe even people who work in the executive branch take an oath to uphold, protect, and defend. I just don't understand why as a nation we're so milly-mouthed about this. The country was designed to be highly decentralized. Instead, we live in a highly centralized environment where the doomsday cult, formerly known as the Democratic Party, just keeps moving the bar farther and farther to the left of the political spectrum. As I may have mentioned earlier, most recently these guys want to eliminate gas stoves and your dishwasher and your gas-powered cars and lawnmowers. They censor our speech. They allow millions of illegal immigrants into the country. They are devaluing the currency by printing trillions upon trillions on, backed by nothing. None of that shit is constitutional, and yet year after year we let these people destroy the country. Here's another problem with both men, Trump and Kennedy. They see nothing wrong with using unconstitutional federal agencies to enforce their executive orders. The most recent example I can think of is RFK's proclamation that he can, with an executive order, stop pharmaceutical companies from advertising through the power of the FDA. Really? 
That's strange because that agency has no constitutional power and should be abolished. And they sure as hell have no jurisdiction over advertising. I mean, really? That is some sophomoric shit right there. And believe me, Trump is no better. Both of these men, and all of Congress for that matter, would be well served by a Constitution 101 course taught by anyone other than the former associate professor, Barack Obama. In a nutshell, I'm excited that RFK Jr. is in the presidential race. He brings a needed, fresh, and different perspective to the political arena. He seems to be an honest man. He seems to be wedded to the truth rather than a political ideology or a political party or a cause. He seems to be rooted in Judeo-Christian principles. Just like Trump, anyone who rails against Hillary Clinton and Bush Cheney definitely deserve consideration. Just like Trump, anyone who rails against his own party deserves consideration. Between you and me, if he and Trump teamed up on one ticket, game over. They would have to clearly state where they differ on issues, but, but I believe the dialogue that would ensue would do a lot to bring the country together and call the bluff of the Cloward and Piven, Saul Alinsky chaos spreading disciples. It would call the bluff of the Marxists who currently run the doomsday cult, formerly known as the Democratic Party. By way of conclusion, I want to share with you two descriptions of RFK Jr., one by Edward Curtin and one by Tucker Carlson. Much of this is repetitive, but I wanted to give you the ability to easily find this information later if you want to share it with a friend. Edward Curitan says this, For years, he has been telling harsh truths that many who profit from the lies do not want to hear, that our waters are polluted and chemical companies are criminals, that the pharmaceutical companies are criminal enterprises polluting people's bodies, that the CIA is organized crime polluting people's minds and assassinating its anti-war leaders, that the Pentagon is a criminal enterprise, not defending but risking American lives and their livelihood. That the U.S. government has joined with mega corporations to run a mob-like fleecing of the American people. That not one of Sirhan Sirhan's bullets killed his father, Senator Robert Kennedy, who was shot from behind at close range by a CIA hitman. That the so-called COVID vaccines are very dangerous and have never been appropriately tested, and many people are dying and being injured as a result. That Anthony Fauci is a liar and a fraud who fronts for Big Pharma in the COVID-19 crisis that is an intelligence-run operation controlled by spooks working with medical technocrats. And that we are close to losing our country and any semblance of its democratic ideals. These are not liberal or conservative positions. These are self-evident conclusions of a patriot, as they should be for everyone. And here is what Tucker Carlson said, as I stated in the last episode. Robert Kennedy knew early that the COVID vaccines were both ineffective and potentially dangerous, and he said so in public to the extent he was allowed. Science has since proven Robert F. Kennedy Jr. right, unequivocally right. But Kennedy was not rewarded for this. He was vilified. He was censored because he dared to criticize their advertisers. The news media called Bobby Kennedy a Nazi, and then they attacked his family. But he kept doing it. He was not intimidated, and we were glad he wasn't. This is one of those moments when it's nice to have a truth teller around. It's helpful because suddenly the stakes are very high. And that's the truth about Robert F. Kennedy Jr. Please subscribe to the podcast on your favorite platform and share episodes with your friends. 